0: Noon, good morning good evening and good day i don't know why i ever start with good afternoon and never good morning but welcome once okay. again to a, another episode of so I married horror fan i am simon i'm lee you sound like you're dying bro
1: <laughs> i like ran up the stairs okay
0: you sound like a dying chicken thanks babe <laughs> um, welcome to episode number 39 uh it's gonna be an interesting episode this one it is um Episode number two for September. Hope everyone's having had a good week or had a good week last week and is going to have a good week this week. Uh, Just a little bit of thing up top. We have an episode on Friday that's already been pre-recorded. We do. Spoiler alert. We thought we'd try something different because we wanted to get more listeners. So I'm actually not on the special episode that's (laughs) airing on Friday. Um, It's not a five by five. I'm not going to give away what it is. You'll find out on Friday. Just be here. 9am like always to listen to Lee talking to herself.
1: For like two, two hours. hours.
0: Um, I fully think that everyone's going to dig the topic that they have discussed. Um, Lee and our guest, who isn't me. Um, if you guys do listen to this for me, there's like 40 other episodes you can listen to. Um, however, I would strongly, highly recommend listening to it on a Friday because it's <laughs> wild and it's nuts. And um, once it gets out, we may not have a podcast again after that. So um, that could be our last episode. So we in, We'll see what happens. <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> um but yeah in this episode we're gonna discuss us. us um but before that i went to see big man malignant on friday Ugh. uh lee did not come see malignant with me
1: i did not i stayed home and had a bath do you know for fucking was... three hours <laughs> do you
0: know what's really funny about this movie what? so when we did our five anticipated movies and tv shows I did not put Malignant on there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, Malignant may very well end up being my favourite horror movie of the year. Which is strong words, considering we've already had, like, A Quiet Place and Candyman and Psycho Goreman and Army of the Dead. And Freaky came out in the UK this year. And Werewolves Inn And we've still got Halloween, Last Night in Soho. The Night House, which we haven't watched yet. Uh, Antlers, Nightmare Alley and Resident Evil to go. mm but yeah, Malignant, new James Wan joint. I've already hyped this hyped this motherfucker up on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say too much because the movie only came out on Friday. All I will say is everything that you have heard about this movie, good, bad and indifferent, is completely true. Um, I would try and stay as spoiler free as possible. This is my favourite thing that James Wan has directed that's been a horror movie since probably Dead Silence. Mm-hmm. I had to put in there the caveat of it being a horror movie because I fucking love Fast and Furious 7. And I think that movie is fucking. I don't like. I didn't watch Aquaman because fuck Aquaman. I don't care about Aquaman at all.
1: I think I made it like maybe 40 minutes into it and I turned it off.
0: Yeah, like I like Jason Momoa. I think Jason Momoa is a fucking dude, but fuck Aquaman. But Fast and Furious was good. Um, yeah, I wasn't massive on Insidious. Um, actually, I say it's the best thing is done since Dead Silence. I loved the first Conjuring movie. So, um, yeah, it's just a really... Like, I, I can't say too much because to say too much would spoil it. But all I will say is it's weird. It's insane. It's not the movie that the trailers made out. It was. Um, it's really fucking violent. And I think when the the last half an hour of that movie kicks in, your jaw will hit the floor. Uh, you'll either laugh, you'll gasp, or you'll just be like, what the fuck is this? Probably all three, because that's what I did. However, I will say the actual twist of who slash what Gabriel is, is kind of fairly easy to figure out. In fact, I, I remember going to the toilet at a Lull in the movie and texting you mm-hmm. and saying, I think this. And getting a text back from you being like, what the fuck? And then I texted you as the movie ended going, I was fucking right. And you were like, are you serious? Um, but yeah, the movie is fucking wild. Um, and the thing is, like in America, you can watch it on HBO Max till October the 10th. Over here, we don't have that luxury. We have to go to the cinema and see it. Um, so I would implore anybody, if you want weird, wonderful horror movies to keep being made at a studio level... Uh, go and see this movie because it's fucking bonkers. And if you have a view by you, it's only going to cost you a fiver to watch it anyway. So, true, um, true, true. But yeah, definitely go and watch it and um, come and let us know what you think because I just I just love hearing people talk about this fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to explain it to you and you just being like, this movie is very aggressively not my shit. Yeah. And you just being like, I don't understand what any of <laughs> this means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's cool. It's good. Well worth it. Um, Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it on on the subject of that. Oh, they dropped a new trailer for Midnight Mass the other day.
2: They did indeed. Which
0: still looks incredible. It does look good. Big man, Mike Flanagan, doing big Netflix things. What was the other film that we watched that trailer for that was based on that book? About the girls living in that house and the guys like, don't try and escape.
1: Oh, um...
0: Because that's a Netflix original as well, isn't it? I
1: can't remember.
0: Something like Nobody Gets Out or...
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: There's a movie coming to Netflix called Nobody Leaves or Nobody Gets Out. Something along those lines. Nobody... No... Is it No One Gets Out Alive or No One Leaves Alive? Something like that. It's made by the dudes that made The Ritual, but it's ba- excuse me, based on a book. <laughs> that also looks really, really good. So that could be like a sleeper contender for horror movie of the year as well.
1: It's so not Nobody Gets Out Alive. That was a 2012 film.
0: Was that... are you thinking of No One Lives? Because that's the one with Luke Evans in it. where you like... No,
1: literally. Nobody Gets Out Alive huh. 2012.
0: Huh. I thought you was, thinking of I was Luke literally Evans
1: Googling it, babes. <laughs> um... I have no idea. I have absolutely no clue. I can't remember. Because I looked it up the other freaking day.
0: Bring your Netflix app up. Oh, and it no. should be on the... So
1: much effort. So much effort. <laughs>
0: Oh, excuse me, but yeah, we watched this movie, so this trailer, well, we watched this trailer for this movie, and it was, excuse me, about a bunch of girls that were, like, living in this house, and they had a creepy landlord, and he was like, please don't leave, you'll make it worse, and it kind of made it sound like they were being, oh, fuck me, um, being sacrificed to the house, maybe, or yeah, something that was something in the house. something like that. Excuse me. Fucking
2: right, help. hang on, because
0: that's of all, of all the episodes to get hiccups on. I mean, sure. Well, like on your Netflix app, it should just tell you in the coming soon section.
1: I know, but I have to scroll through the entirety of my coming soon thing and like pray I don't go past it, because it just shows me the trailer with the fucking film title, babe. Babe,
0: what are you looking at?
1: My history, because I looked it up, didn't I? <laughs> just, just leave me to my crazy times, okay? I'll find it and then I'll jump in and I'll be like, oh, this is what the film was called.
0: Yeah, it was. It was called something like ludicrous. Oh. Like, no one lives. Simon's
1: or... looking it up now, so he'll find it way before I do.
0: Like, no one lives or no one gets out or something fucking stupid like that. It it had a really like. No one gets out alive. No. Oh. It's coming to Netflix on the 29th of September. Okay,
1: can you just like take a second and like do the little breathing things? I'll speak to them because that's <laughs> getting really annoying. Um, yeah, so we watched a trailer for it, and it looks really interesting, and then I found out that it was based on a book by an author who is quite well-renowned for horror books, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it looks fucking weird, and I remember looking it up, and then I was like, it is the book I was thinking of, because I remember this fucking plot twist. Mm. I haven't read the book, but I remember people banging on about the plot twist when, um, when it came out. Mm. Because I speak to book
0: people. Do you know one thing I did find really cool as well? Um, Disney have curated, like, a bunch of stuff for kids for Halloween. Mm. Um, They've, like, curated, like... They've got a new R.L. Stein show called Just Beyond, which is, like, a little anthology show for kids. And then they've put together, like, spooky episodes of, like... um, Disney shows, and then they've got the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which is in, They're showing, like, all the fucking Halloween Town movies, Hocus Pocus.
1: Fucking Halloween Town, man. Fucking um, Halloween Town. Do, you know, do you know
0: what's really funny? And I'll, I'd love to kind of get your opinion on this, as okay. someone who wasn't, like, a horror child and is very adamant about us having non-horror children until age appropriate.
2: Yeah.
0: So Fangoria shared it on um, their Twitter page, and apparently someone slated Fangoria for sharing, like, children's content. Okay. And, like, Fangoria bit back and they were like, no, like, how, horror should be for everyone of yeah. every age. Like, there's plenty of good horror that's aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And, like, why would they not, and as they said, why would we not encourage, like, parents who are horror fans to want to, like, give their children, like, gateway things to get into? Yeah. And I was like, I 100% completely agree. And I was like, we we will probably discuss that Muppets Haunted Mansion thing at some point on a future Yuck. episode because I'm really looking forward to that. You say, ugh, like, Darren Chris isn't gonna be in it, I mean, like, it's Wait, the best what? thing ever. See, exactly my Darren point. Darren
1: Chris <laughs> in it, I'm sold, let's watch it.
0: Um, but yeah, I think it's like really cool, because like, we were discussing it earlier, weren't we, about like, are you afraid of the dark, and goosebumps, yeah, goosebumps and stuff bumps. like that. And, like, there is really good horror stuff for children, and like the thing is, like, Halloween Town, you can show kids. Like, Hocus Pocus, Halloween you can show Town. kids. Like, there is good stuff. For kids like goosebumps don't, don't
1: show them the Disney film uh don't look under the bed because mm-hmm. that movie is fucking terrifying I
0: tell you one movie that did scare me as a fucking child and it's I don't know if I still to this day don't know if it's meant to be a horror movie or not
2: what?
0: Return to Oz
2: oh, a- anybody
0: yeah. else of a certain age out there oh. fucking there's two scenes in that movie that scared the shit out of me the
1: rollers the, oh, we, yeah.
0: the wheelers the wheelers, wheelers can get in the fucking bin bro And there's the scene where she goes into, like, the room with the queen or the witch or whoever the fuck it is. And she's got, like, a bunch of severed heads in jars, like, on these shelves. And all these fucking severed heads is talking to, like, Dorothy. And I'm like, nah, bro. Nah. I'm out. I was like, like, what the fuck is this? But, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think, at the end of the day, kids should be able to enjoy age-appropriate horror as much as adults should. But
1: the important answer there is age-appropriate horror.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it is a good thing for, like, parents to be like, okay, so my kids sat and watched, like, Hocus Pocus and Goosebumps, and then, oh, maybe they could watch this, like, next level thing. Yeah, but that means shit's
1: all, babe, because I I I still love Hocus Pocus, and I watched Goosebumps, I watched Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, I watched Scooby-Doo, and I am the biggest pansy on the planet. It just gave me horrific nightmares, and I would continue to fucking watch it as
0: well. (sighs) Just I would say, as a responsible adult and just someone who has a modicum of taste, do not let your children watch those fucking zombies movies on Disney Plus. Because oh, those movies the first suck. This one was but
1: good. You liked the first one. I
0: didn't. Is the second one the one that's got the werewolves in it? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I was out at that point. The first one has a couple of good sequences in it, but I found it like compared to all the other decoms that we watched in the first lockdown mm-hmm. so in the first lockdown, when we got Disney Plus, we watched both Camp Rock movies. We did. We watched... Teen Be- Mouth. the Mouth. Teen- Lemonade Mouth is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> I say that without a trace of irony. You fucking
1: love that film. That movie
0: just fucking rules. Straight out rules.
1: She's a girl.
0: Determinate is a fucking banger, is right. banger. Um, we watched the Teen Beach movies again first one really good second, second one eh. sucked ass yeah. we watched all of the High School Musical movies we did. and we watched the first season of High School Musical the musical the series we did. which was awesome
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched
1: You've, uh, you missed my favourites that
0: we watched we watched the Descendants movies. The I was getting movie. to those. I was like, it was what was favorites. what was that fucking like horror movie type thing that we watched? Where it was like about a school dance. Girl
1: versus monster. Yeah, that was that fucking was fuck- dreadful. We, we turned it off.
0: That was dreadful. But yeah, there's like Disney. Disney low key has some like good horror content for oh, kids. Oh yeah,
1: like Disney, they're good at doing. I say good at doing. There's a few Disney horror movies. So don't look under the bed. Mm-hmm. Gave me. I don't know if anyone else remembers this film. Mm -hmm. But it gave me horrific nightmares as a child. It was basically about a kid who had an imaginary friend and the one rule was don't look under the bed. Mm -hmm. So it looked under the bed and the fucking imaginary friend started turning into a boogeyman. It was like hunting the kid down. I had i still don't particularly like looking under the bed to this day
0: bro james Warden watched that movie and was like malignant 20 years later
1: <laughs> fuck me man it was just, it was messed up and it gave me the worst nightmares but no they do do like the halloween town film zombies but vs. Like, monster which i'm sure as a kid is slightly more entertaining than as an adult i watched uh, monsterville cabinet of um terror or whatever it's called the other day because it had dove cameron and Catherine Mcnamara in it, which nice. I didn't know. And I was like, fucking Cat McNamara, I love
0: it. Also, a couple of their like animated films are pretty horrific. Like yeah, The Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron. Uh they did a version of Sleepy Hollow, which is called Ippod and Mr. Crane. Um and they also did I like I put like I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but Fantasia.
2: Yeah.
0: Fantasia scares the fuck out is of me. Is Bolt is it
1: Bolt Rog in Fantasia?
0: Chernobyl, dude. Chobog.
1: Bolt Rog's in Black Cauldron.
0: Yeah. Black Cauldron is fucked up. That is a fucked up kids' movie.
1: Yeah, Bog used to t- terrify the shit out of me. But then also, on the other hand, you didn't just have Disney. I mean, look at Anastasia.
0: Yeah, I mean, also Nightmare Before Christmas. Depending on whether you consider it a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie or both, it is both. It's a Christmasween movie.
1: It's a it's an any season movie because they they almost go to Easter. They like almost go to St. Patrick's Day. Well,
0: technically, they do go to Easterland because they kidnap the, the Easter kid bunny. bunny. They kidnap the Easter Bunny. The fucking Oogie Boogies boys kidnap the Easter Bunny because they think oh, that he's Santa Claus. Barrel,
1: and cakes.
0: But the funniest thing about that is when Oogie Boogie like apologizes. He's like, "I'm really sorry." And, like, just puts it back in the bag. puts the body back in the bag and just fucking mugs him off.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah, Disney's really good for like for considering they like and especially now because Disney Plus has got like the Walking Dead and stuff on it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and the Strain, GDT, the strain. Was, like a forgotten TV series. But yeah, I would love to know what other people think. Weigh in if you think that like kids should be like w- like entitled to watch kids horror.
1: Please think they should never be. Uh, you can't do that. It's uh, you can, but if you have nightmares, we're putting a ban on it. Because I ain't getting up in the middle of fucking nightmares.
0: I mean, you're talking to a guy who used to be scared of like animated plasticine. So this is true. This is
1: true. But
0: yeah, we're getting massively off topic. We are here to talk about us, Jordan Peele.
1: Yeah. It's 2019 film, Uz. Boom, right. It's sophomore film.
0: Yeah, drop yeah.
1: it. Drop it. Okay, so Uz, released in 2019. It was written and directed by Jordan Peele because he likes to do everything. And
0: produced, he's got three credits. I this. don't
1: know, only get writer director on the front page and I'm oh. not dropping into shit, man. Fucking right, cast wise, we have, I'm going to apologise because I'm probably going to pronounce her surname incorrectly. Lapita Nyongo. Nyongo, correct. Is that right? I'm yes. um, playing Adelaide slash Red. Winston Duke playing Gabe slash Abraham. Elizabeth Moss playing Kitty slash Delilah. Tim Heidecker playing Josh slash Tex. Uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph playing Zora slash Umbre. Bro,
0: her name is Dahlia. What
1: did
0: I say? Delilah. Oh,
1: Dahlia. Sorry. Um, Evan Alex playing Jason slash Pluto. And then we also have um, Callie Sheldon playing Becca slash Lowe and Noelle Sheldon playing Lindsay slash mm. uh, And We also do have a little guest appearance by Anna Diop who plays Rain and Yaya Abdul-Mateen who plays Russell who are Adelaide. Yeah, does it have
0: that? It does.
1: So Russell's name is also Wayland and Rain's name is also Arthur.
0: Because I never knew that.
1: Yeah, everybody, pretty much every single member of the cast has a second, has a tethered name.
0: And this is the second movie in a row that Jordan Peele's directed, where he has a voice cameo. He does. He's the voice of the Vision Quest.
1: He is indeed. So, IMDB tell us that the plot line of this movie is, a family's serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorise them.
0: It's pretty much on the nose, yeah, It's pretty on the
1: nose, yeah, I'm not going to lie.
0: So, I'm going to start with you, like I do with all these things. Mm-hmm. Tell the people at home why you hadn't watched this movie for so long, and then like give me some of your general thoughts. And you can't just say it's a crap movie because I'm scared of doppelgangers. Like I want to know if you actually enjoyed the movie.
1: So I hadn't seen it. A because I don't really watch horror movies. B because I'd been told by numerous people it wasn't as good as Get Out. And C because I really don't like doppelgangers. That
0: was me. I was the kind that thought it, wasn't it was as good as
1: Get Out. It wasn't just you. I'd had a few yeah. people tell me. Um, but yeah, I I really don't like doppelgangers. I don't like fucking. I I I can suffer through twins, but I don't like doppelgangers. Like the idea of being a perfect replica freaks me the fuck.
0: But bro, out. what if we had twins?
1: Put them in different clothes, and they're still not perfect replicas. Twins do look different. Mm. There are differences. I've been friends with twins multiple times in my life, and you can tell the difference once you know them. It's very yeah. obvious who is who. But yeah, no, so I was not interested in watching this. And then actually watching it, you know, I don't really know. I didn't I didn't like it as much as I enjoyed Get Out. <clears throat> it just seemed like there were so many plot threads that I didn't really get a, a rev- revolution? A resolution, resolution yeah. to, And I was just a little bit confused, and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like... Uh, and the explanation's not there. Like, there's no kind of, well, this is what has happened. It's kind of just these, these people live underground. They are replicas of the people above that do things. Why? What was the purpose? Why are they there? Give me literally fucking anything just to help me understand why the fuck they exist.
0: Right, before we get massively into this. And I think this is one of the theories Ugh. that Jordan Peele dispelled, but I thought it was such a good theory that oh. I want to bring it up. because. So somebody asked Jordan Peele if Get Out and Us existed in the same universe. Uh-huh. And he was like, yes, but not really. So somebody had a theory. Oh, yeah,
1: now I can see where this theory is going, actually. that
0: The Tethered were one of the first experiments created by the Armitage family uh-huh. as a way to kind of like control people and then when they figured out that they couldn't replicate the souls that's when they abandoned the project Mm -hmm. and then went to the coagula project or the coagulation or whatever the fuck it's called in get out Mm -hmm. which is a much more Mm -hmm. controlled idea yeah but yeah jordan peele was like i like the theory but no and that's that's the problem with this movie get out is very self-explanatory yeah like, there's not a lot of loose ends at the end of Get Out. No. Other than, other than how the procedure itself actually works. there's but not. You a... don't need to yeah. know
1: that to understand the film.
0: There's not a lot of loose ends. It is very, like, point A, point B, job done.
2: Mm.
0: Whereas with this movie, he literally wrote himself into a corner. And, like, you would expect this. So the fucking guy won an Oscar for writing for fucking Get Out. You would kind of expect this from someone who, like... Wasn't 100% confident in
1: their writing yet,
0: yeah. Like, this is kind of like the Donnie Darko thing, Southland Tales thing all over again. Donnie Darko is a fucking great movie, and it has plot threads. The director's cut ties up some of them. But then Richard Kelly went, fuck it, I'm going to make Southland Tales, which is this really fucking long, weird movie about... Lots of other shit. I won't get into it now. That's another story for another time. And it bombed. And I feel like this is <clears throat> this is the kind of thing where Jordan Peele was. His first movie was so personal and so intimate and so like horrific for reasons that we discussed on our episode a couple of weeks ago. But it's a very cut and dry story. Yeah. Whereas with this, he went full like uh, high concept. And I think whatever he did, he was always gonna fuck himself over because if he just gone, Oh, they're clones which is kind of what he, he hints at in this mm. um it would have just been like, well how? Why? And I think by him not answering any of the questions, he he's kind of copped himself out a little bit by going See,
1: the thing the thing so I don't think they're clones because there is a, a scene in this film when Red and Adelaide finally meet face to face as adults where um Red says to Adelaide, uh you know, the girl had a daughter and mm. so did I. The girl had a son Yeah, next. but how? Yeah, that's the thing. And then I had to cut him out. So it's almost like they're perfectly replicating. Like they are genetically tied to each other. They replicate each other's lives. Because like she said, she had to end up with Abraham because...
0: He was tethered to her he prince. He was
1: tethered, tethered to the girl's prince. So I'm assuming that the pregnancies happened naturally.
0: My question though, chick- <laughs> chicken or the egg, who came first, the tethered or the original? Because that's the, the thing that pisses me off, they don't explain that, they don't explain who came first.
1: Well I'm assuming the originals came first,
0: because like, and how did they, how did they?
1: That's what I'm about to address, hmm. is that, so it doesn't work of them being clones, because obviously Adelaide is living the exact same life as Red is, mm. Mm-hmm. And they're re- like Red's life is replicating what's happening in Adelaide's, so they can't be clones. They have to be like DNA, like genetically linked to each other for them to replicate what each other is doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But a, how the fuck did you do that? B, how did it start? Yeah. C, why did it start? Mm-hmm. None of this gets answered. We're just basically dropped in the middle of this story of, like, oh, the Tethered exist. Why do they exist? Yeah. What was the purpose behind them? What, why aren't they being controlled or looked after? Because they're, they're living on their own. There's nobody monitoring them as far as we ever find out. They're literally just left to their own devices Yeah, because she
0: says that at the end, doesn't she? She said after they were abandoned, when they were classed as a failure, they yeah. just led directionless lives.
1: Yeah. But, like what was the point of the original experiment? I I think we get the answer to that, but like, why did they just abandon them? Why didn't they like terminate the experiment? Mm -hmm.
0: Like, what was the point? Also, how do they shut themselves off? Because it shows you at the end that they're perfectly replicating the top and bottom. Mm. But then when they start attacking everyone, they're free they're 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 running free they're they're basically living their own lives so I
1: think adelaide um, red kind of explains that of like they'd started worshiping her as kind of like the coming savior because she could disconnect herself, yeah. And she taught the rest of them how to do it because right. she says it. I took years to come up with this plan and perform of the untethering of, these, of the untethering. And if you watch as well when they're all underground as they're preparing for the untethering, none of them are doing the same thing as what would be happening above. Yeah. As they're all in rows, changing their uniforms, getting the scissors. So I'm assuming Red taught them to untether.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was just there's so many questions that are left over from it that you don't get any kind of answer to, and it really pissed me off. Yeah, because I'm like it's fine but also you've created this world dropped in the middle of it and given us no guidebook most films you come into a world like this where it's similar to ours but a bit different they'll give you like a little guidebook of like okay so this is what's happening this is why it's happening this is what had happened previously that you didn't see because you weren't here and it helps you like put a grounding in and you know where you are you know what's happening and you're like okay right things make far more sense now Mm -hmm. but we don't get any of that
0: I definitely feel like, as well, and I'm going to commit blasphemy for saying this, I feel like Jordan Peele definitely came off a lot more pretentious in the interviews for this film because he didn't want to answer any questions. And that's what fucks me off, is when he, like, when, like, I I like films that challenge me. Like, two of my favourite directors are David Lynch and David Cronenberg, for fuck's sake. I don't need to know everything, but when you create a movie that is so fucking riddled with plot holes in its third act and then you just go oh well it's up to the audience to to figure it out yeah, that it, sounds really lazy it's really does fucking kind
1: of irritating with films me. like this of when people and it's not just that as well as people have come up with feasible explanations as well of oh it was an experiment created by the family and get out um, I've heard other theories as well and every single one of them has been shot down by Peel. and you're like okay that's fine but do you now want to tell us what is actually going on because obviously we don't fucking know
0: it smacks of somebody that doesn't really know the answer themselves.
1: Yeah, and it, I love Jordan Peele. I love his first film. I'm looking forward to Nope, but it just this movie. I think I got about halfway through it and I just stopped really paying any attention because I wasn't getting any answers to anything. Mm-hmm. And unless I start, I like, don't get me wrong, I don't like to be spoon-fed information.
0: fed spoon Spoon-fed.
1: <laughs> oh, this is what's happening. Eat, eat your little Cheerios. This is all of the information you need. But I like to be dropped clues of, like, okay, so this is why... And you're like, you start unravelling it yourself. And you're like, okay, so that happened because of this. And, like, oh, right, so that's what that was happening mm-hmm. there. That makes so much more sense now. But I don't... There's none of that. I stopped paying attention about halfway through this movie because I was just... I was getting so confused and there was no nothing helping me clear up any of the confusion mm-hmm. whatsoever. And that's not a film you're going to enjoy because you don't want to be just sat throughout the entire film going... I don't really get it. Really...
0: And the other thing that pisses me off about this movie and is is the way that fans react to it. Mm. When you say, oh, I don't really get it, fans are like, well, you're stupid then because it's so obvious because this is and this. And I'm like, it's not obvious. I've seen this movie about eight times now because I keep trying to force myself to, to... To like it. To like it. Um, And it's kind of like... It's one of those films where I'm just like...
1: The more you watch it, the less sense it's making to you.
0: No, like, I notice more things, but it's not it's it's kind of like little background things like nothing that really helps you understand the ending um and in a lot of ways I compare my viewing experience of this to like *Midsummer*, mm. because I love Hereditary and then Midsummer's another one of those movies where it's like here's a bunch of stuff and here's a resolution but you take away from it what you want And I was like, okay, but Midsummer's a little bit more cut and dry. But I was left with the same feelings of disappointment that I was when I I watched this.
2: Mm.
0: And the problem, the problem with it is that I think he had such high ambitions, and I feel like he had a really, really great concept. But when you this movie doesn't hold up to any scrutiny at all. And I think it's way, I think it's, I think it's, in a lot of ways, you kind of, I imagine you retroactively now in your head, now that you've seen this movie, would look at the new Candyman and go, how many of that movie shortcomings are actually down to Jordan Peele? Mm -hmm. And how many shortcomings in the script are his, like, contributions to the film? Because the script for this movie makes, like, you wouldn't, you look at this and get out side by side. And it's like two films that are made by two completely different filmmakers.
1: The, well, that's a, no. Okay, <clears throat> plot-wise, like actual plot points, yes. But like actually, you are watching it, and you're like, this is the exact film that was made by the same person who wrote the verbal script, the actual spoken word script, as Get Out, because this the characters speak very similarly. There's a there's a very like. Jordan Peel feel to the way that they talk to each other.
0: This movie's a lot funnier than Catwalk.
1: <laughs> yes, <Yeah, it is. laughs> but yeah, no. I had I had a lot of I had a lot of issues with this movie, and also I had a lot of issues with the. It just seemed like the whole movie was just scattered with these references to other films, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay. But also, you're supposed to be, like the the whole movie. So the opening of the film, they're in Santa Carla. While no. Santa Cruz, (laughs) while they're filming Lost Boys, like it's referenced in it they then, there's numerous references to Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. which does make sense as a concept for this movie because of the idea of uh, underground is very much a replicate like um, the people who live in Wonderland uh, represent people who live in the real world Mm -hmm so it kind of makes sense.
0: And kind of the whole Wizard of Oz thing as well. When you see the people in her real life in Kansas, each one of them relates yeah, to one of the characters. but there's a
1: lot in. of references to, so like the White Rabbits, yeah. Follow the White Rabbits, the Hall of Mirrors, the Looking Glass being mm-hmm. the entrance between the two yeah. worlds. Um, the tethered-wearing red as well, like the Red Queen, who's mm-hmm. the villain of Alice in Wonderland. Um, well, depending on how you feel about her. I'm not going to straight up call her a villain. Um... And then there's like references to like The Shining and there's references to Get Out and there's references to like The Goonies. Jaws. Jaws. Chud. Chud. Like there's so many references in this film to other films and I'm like why? Why have you spent this time putting in all of these little minute references to all of these other films when you should have been focusing on making your film? Mm -hmm. It really stressed me out. Because I kept catching them, I was like, looking. I was like, I fucking know that. It's a reference to something, and I'd find myself getting distracted trying to figure out what the fucking references were. Mm. That's how little this film held my. I feel really bad because I love Jordan Peele, and I'm basically just shitting on us. Um, But yeah, not us. Not (laughs) us. The film us. Um, But it was just. I feel like. He kind of lost focus a lot with this movie and started focusing on putting these little references and these little, like, nerd easter mm-hmm. eggs into the film and kind of lost sight of what he was doing. Like, don't get me wrong, I get the point of the movie. The whole movie is a reference to the class system and how the rich control the poor and if the poor were to uprise, we could overthrow the... The rich and it would we would take over the world
0: i think there's also a little bit more to it that than that as well it's all about i think how like the way i see it is it's kind of a bit like how we view people in society like when they fall on hard times or like when war veterans come back When they've outlived their usefulness, how easy it is, how disposable they become. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the basic, the basic thing is it's all about the class system. Yeah. How the rich stay rich, the poor stay poor. And and
0: fuck me if Gabe is not the spokesperson for that. Jesus fucking Christ. Everything in that man's life is about money and status. Yeah. Fuck me.
1: And uh, so I got the point of the film. I understood it. But the thing is, is that's all well and good. I got what he was trying to tell me. I understood what he was trying to tell me. The problem I have is that okay yeah I got the mess message but you didn't resolve anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, another quick point on this. Why the fuck did the tethered only kill their own their own tethereds?
0: But to take their place.
1: No, I know, but there's numerous points in this movie. So when Adelaide is in oh Kitty and
0: Josh's house. Josh's
1: house. Where uh, Kitty's doppelganger, her tethered, attacks Adelaide and then lets her go. Mm
2: -hmm. One
1: of the twins attacks Adelaide and Adelaide fights her off. But it's never like she's actually putting a conscious effort into trying to kill her. It's just like she's like fucking with her. Mm -hmm. And then when um, Umbri attacks the guy who's shouting at her about the car, she stabs him in the leg. She doesn't, she doesn't stab him, she just stabs him in the leg. Mm. Like, why are they only focused on killing their own tethered when they could take out other people as well?
0: I don't know, I guess it's like that psychological <laughs> thing of like reclaiming ownership of...
1: I guess, of but I just find it weird that like, numerous points in this film where they could have killed
0: somebody else mm.
1: and they don't.
0: So the big question I have for you, and I'm really interested to see how you answer this question, mm. With the twist that happens in this movie, Mm -hmm. so we know who Red really is and who Adelaide really Mm -hmm. is, who's the villain of this movie? Is it Adelaide or is it Red?
1: I mean, part of my brain wants to say, are we calling Adelaide is so the character who we follow in the film and then Red is her doppelganger? Right, okay. So... My brain wants to say just because of like the way this all kicks off that Adelaide is the villain. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think either of them are because both of them are just trying to fight to be human and to be recognised as a person and recognised as a living body and a living entity and that they're not a shadow of somebody else. They are their own person with their own thoughts, their own feelings. Because it's like Red says, going back to the conversation she has at the beginning with Adelaide, um, she didn't get a choice. She had to replicate Adelaide's life. Mm -hmm. So she was forced to marry, or well, not marry, but be around... Abraham. Abraham. She was forced to give birth to Pluto and Umbri. Because that's what Adelaide was doing. Mm -hmm. So part of me feels like Adelaide would be the villain because she's the one who kidnapped Red originally and switched his places with her. However, neither of them are really the villain because Adelaide was a scared little girl who just wanted out of this world she'd been trapped inside and she found a way to do it, so she did it. She became became Adelaide. And Adelaide, who became Red, just wanted... To be in control of her own life, mm. so I don't think there's actually a villain in this story. I mean, the villain of this story are the people who created the tethered, mm-hmm. but we don't know who the fuck that is, so I can't blame them. <laughs> not that I'm annoyed about not knowing who created the tethered in any other shape or form, or why the fuck we did it. I think cause there's a conversation that was held is held mm-hmm. in the film again between Adelaide and Red because they're like the way we find out anything about the tethered yeah. at all. It's really towards the end of the film where Red tells Adelaide that they'd built the tethered to control the world, basically. To control mm-hmm. the people who were living...
0: Like puppets.
1: Topside, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but obviously it failed because they don't. The people topside seem to control They're tethered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The only outlier in this being Adelaide and Red. And... Fine. That kind of gives an explanation as to why they created. But they never address that that was the reason it failed. Because what Adelaide said is we were created to control you. What Red says, sorry. And then it's never addressed that it failed. That was what had failed. And that's Mm -hmm. why they abandoned the project. They don't actually address the fact. Because that seems to me like that is what had failed. And that is why they abandoned the project. Mm -hmm. But they never actually say that.
2: Yeah.
1: They just kind of imply it. Which is fine if you just want to imply it, but you need to give us more fucking information. I'm fine. As you can tell, I'm quite angry about this film. <laughs> Thing is, I feel like it could have been a really, really fucking great film. Mm. It could have been like one of those films that blows everybody's mind. He'd have won fucking more awards. Like It would have been like th- amazing. And it just falls apart in that third act so much, because you don't. You don't feel satisfied after watching it. No. It's kind of like you were really hungry and you had a McDonald's. Yeah. And you were fine after you'd finished eating it. And then like 20 minutes later, you're like, actually, I'm still kind of hungry. Yeah. I could do with more food. That's kind of how this film feels me. It is a McDonald's.
0: Yeah. The problem with this movie, so I remember seeing this movie like opening night. I went like, I literally ran to the cinema after work. I was so fucking excited to see it. Like as I'm sure you guys know, if you've listened to our Get Out episode, and as I'm sure you know from being with me for fucking four years, you know, how, like since that since Get Out came out. I was out, gonna
1: say, do you think we've been together four no, years, babe? Because so I can guarantee but, you, it's longer.
0: But since Get Out came out, you know how much I yeah, love. Yeah, you fucking that, love. How you love much Get I out. love that movie. So I was really looking forward to this. I remember actually being at your mum's on fucking christmas day 2018 when the trailer dropped and just walking out of the room to go and watch the trailer on my phone so i
1: remember my mum being like is simon okay i'm like oh yeah the us trailers dropped he'll be back <laughs> so fine. like
0: i literally went and like locked myself away for like Yeah,
1: you literally it was me you my mum and the granddad and my granddad and literally you just got up and walked out and my mum and granddad are looking at me like is simon okay if we said something and i'm like no 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 it's fine She's just going to watch a film trailer. He'll be back. (laughs) Don't worry about it. But my mum was like, there is something seriously wrong with your
0: husband. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So I was like, really, really, really fucking excited for this movie. The problem with this movie is, like, the direction is fucking great. Like, I, I think that there are some shots in this movie and some stylistic choices that Jordan Peele makes that showcase why he's such a hot commodity in genre in general. I think. The performances are fucking incredible. Like, and that's... Lupita in this
1: movie is incredible. The
0: two standouts for me are Lupita Nyong'o and Evan Alex. Mm -hmm. Because, especially as Pluto...
1: Oh, fuck yeah.
0: Like, his physicality when he plays Pluto is something else. And I feel like... Every And a movie like this isn't easy to make, no. especially with the amount of scenes where there's two of everybody. The amount of, like, pick-up shots and things. And, they have and, to shoot the same yeah, scene, like,
2: like,
1: back and forth, basically. And if
0: you notice, he's really clever how he shoots the scenes because there's scenes where, like, Gabe is fighting Abraham and Gabe's on the floor... And you see his face, but you only see like Abraham from behind. He's very clever with how he never like the only two I think that you ever really see in the same shot are Red and Adelaide, which is really clever. And I think it must have made it easier to kind of put the two to to put the scene parts together. Um,
1: Yeah, I doubt you're saying it. Yeah, I don't think there's a point where we see both of them, both of their faces. Yeah, because Jason,
0: you see Jason and Pluto together because they're mirror like literally mirror. But they're both wearing masks. Um, so it's really, like, the performances feel like they deserve to be in a better film. <coughs> Excuse me. And for me, like, it is, it does, and I don't want to keep harping on about it, because there are plenty of other things that we need to talk about with regards to this film. But it is just that ending. It's just that kind of, as you say, that that non-satisfaction, because I... I remember walking out of the cinema and going, "That's one of the most disappointing films I've ever seen," and just being really, really bummed out. Um, and then I tried to watch it again, and I tried to watch it again. And the thing is, the first hour and twenty minutes of this movie are really fucking good. Mm. There is some like I, this movie feels it feels more like a like, and I don't want to I don't want to disregard get out this here because get out is a is horror though, movie. Is but... the
1: first hour and twenty minutes of this movie go so quickly, like you're watching it and you're like oh, mate, we can't watch this very long. You look down, you're like, oh, fuck, we have. And then the last...
0: Half an hour, 40 minutes of the
1: film drag out so fucking much. Yeah. Because I remember getting to, like, the hour and 20 mark and I was like, oh, that's that's gone really quickly. And then the rest of the film felt like such a slog to get
0: through. And that's the point. I think with this, like, I think because it does does rattle along so quickly because, like... There's a really good energy to this movie and there's a really good pace to this movie. Um, it moves a lot quicker than what Get Out does, but I think that's because Get Out is trying to purposely unsettle you. So it wants you to be in that situation and, and let things hang in the air for as long as possible.
1: Yeah. Whereas the with thing this is, movie. That's a continuous pace throughout all of Get Out that's, until like the ending when things mm. ramp up. But even then, things don't happen super quickly is still like there's a shot of something really happening really quickly and yeah. it goes back to its original pace for again whereas this it goes at fucking like 100 for the first hour and 20 minutes and then they and then somebody fucking slammed the brake on and mm. it started going at about 20
0: and the other thing that annoys me about this movie is we'll go back to the theories for a second is jordan peel threads a theory like he leaves a trail of breadcrumbs to make you think that jason is also a tethered mm-hmm. And then he just outright went, no, he's not. Well, why did you put all of these things in here that fucking hint that Jason and Adelaide are not... like both. Yeah, are both, like, the tethered versions of them. The thing is, though, is there's
1: kind of little hints of Jason. So oh, you told me this theory, and I was like, yeah, bullshit, I fucking don't believe that for a second. But the problem is, and the problem I have with that theory, is that, well, yes, there are little hints and nods throughout the movie that there might not be something quite right with Jason... His character arc is very different from Adelaide's. So as you watch the movies, Jason kind of continues in the very much the same vein. His behaviour doesn't change. He continues as Jason throughout the entire movie. You watch Adelaide's character arc, and from when it all kicks off, she starts getting more and more feral. Yeah. And more and more like a tethered. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jason, that doesn't happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's where that theory falls apart for me, is because say Jason had been untethered had been living topside for a year he would still be so much closer to that tethering Mm -hmm. like the attitude and behavior so he would have gone feral way quicker
2: Mm. than
1: adelaide who has been living as adelaide for the past like fucking what 20 years and she just all goes feral quite quickly
0: yeah but then also that's where the theory comes full circle because as I said to you, if she only swapped Jason out a year ago, which is what the theory suggests, mm. she would have swapped him out at the point where he would have started going feral and becoming more Pluto esque.
1: Well, no, because he's a similar age to what original Red mm. is, to and the original Red, so who is adult Adelaide?
2: Yeah, is no, already now, yeah, feral you're when saying, you meet yeah, her for now the now first saying, time.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you look at her the way her face moves and that fucking grin she does with her eyes up and her face <laughs> down. Fuck me. The kid who plays Kid Red Adelaide is fucking amazing. With what little screen time she has, she is so
0: intimidating. Also, I love the fact that you were talking about references. You didn't mention the traumatised boy with mummy issues who wears a mask who's called Jason. Oh yeah,
1: Jason, yeah. (laughs) I mean... I thought that was blatantly obvious. <laughs> yeah. It needed to be touched on, but yeah, because um, he is actually named after Jason as well. Yeah. He's named after Jason
0: Voorhees. Um What do you think about the rabbits? So when the when the first trailer came out and the yeah. first poster came out, there was a whole bunch of theories about the rabbits. Yeah. Obviously, she tries to explain away the rabbits by saying that they were basically there for food. Yeah. But there's also like a lot of theories and a lot of things. About just medical science in general and how we use rabbits in yeah. like medical studies, and I, there's a lot of the theory of like they cloned the rabbits and the rabbits were the first stage of whatever the tethering or yeah. the tethered thing.
1: But became. as I just said, I don't believe in the cloning yeah, theory, but... so that would make no sense for there to be rabbits. I think the rabbits are purely there to make the reference to Alice in Wonderland,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's it. And, and to be food, and to be food, but they put <clears throat> such a massive emphasis on it. I feel like it was just a. Rabbits white rabbit in do, you a, a, the, do you get the do you get the do you get in the, a the? and Daveson rabbit I also feel it was partially as well a reference to get out for run rabbit,
0: yeah, do you notice Jason's got one in his lap at the end
1: yes, yeah, I feel like it is just a it it doesn't mean anything, yeah. I feel like. And the... I think that's another big problem with this film. Is there are numerous symbolic things in this movie that, when you actually look at it, doesn't actually mean a lot. It doesn't actually have a meaning. Or it does, but it's a weird way to make that kind of symbol yeah.
0: happen. Do you think so... that Jordan Peele kind of made a rod for his own back? Because he put so much hidden symbolism in Get Out that, like. People have spent so much time theorising, like, every little detail of what every little thing means in us.
1: Mm. Yeah. See, the thing is, though, is with it, like I said, there's numerous things. So, like, the whole, is it Jebediah 1111? Jeremiah Jeremiah 1111. I know so many people who've deep-dived on that and they're like, oh, it means this, 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 and this. Like, oh, this is what it says in the Bible. Like, this is what it could
0: mean. Isn't, like, if I'm paraphrasing, is it something along the lines it's, of God sent people and then they would cry out for help and he would be like, no. Yeah, pretty essentially. much.
1: Pretty much. And uh, um, they there, like, no, it's a reference to it being 1111, which is a mirror image. Mm-hmm. And 1111 pops up numerous times... So
0: many times.
1: In this. And also, my favourite things is so the football match he's watching. The score at the time is 11-11. One of the teams who are playing, I think, is Minnesota.
0: Minnesota Twins. Who are the
1: Minnesota Twins.
0: Minnesota Vikings.
1: Oh, it's not Minnesota. I think it's an M team. But their team name is Twins. Mm-hmm. Which is another reference to the Doppelgangers. Um, but I think that's part of the problem. Is that because of the references that are used in this certain ones have numerous different meanings and people have deep dived so deep into it and they've come up with some great theories as to mm-hmm. what these references mean and it's all bullshit because all it means is 1111.
0: yeah there's like a lot of use of the color red and the color blue and yeah, a lot of scenes represent. where like adelaide's in the red when she's eating the strawberries or when she goes into jason's room and there's like the red on his lamp it's it's those little visual hints of she's really red, she's really red. Like look, yeah. she's eating something red.
1: There's a great um turnabout in this movie of like that it happens throughout the film and it slowly but surely carries on and on and on. Is the slow as you see Adelaide slowly decline back into her original self and she becomes feral and more like the original tethered she was, her clothes get redder and redder yeah. from all of the blood Which I like. I did like the imagery of that of her slowly because she's become she's returning to being red. Mm -hmm. She's slowly getting more red, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I like that symbolism. I appreciate that symbolism. Do
0: you know one thing I actually did love about this movie? No, is I actually genuinely loved how fucking useless Winston Duke's character is in this movie. I love Winston Duke because because in movies like this, it's always like the husband who's like. Or like the male characters that are always like, I can do this and I can do that. But I love the fact that the the roles are kind of reversing this, and he's he's fucking useless. I
1: mean, he does kill two of the tethered.
0: Yeah, pretty much by accident. Oh
1: yeah, one hundred percent by accident. <laughs> but but he like, does. I,
0: I love the fact that like when he's trying to threaten the family on the lawn, and he's like, he can't do it convincingly. No, and like when she's. Like, my, one of my favourites.
1: I feel like that is a massive, like, um, just compliment to Winston Duke's acting. Because, you, like, people have seen what Winston Duke looks like. Man is intimidating.
2: Mm hmm. Like, and as not, in,
1: not in a. I'm not, 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 not in a, like, oh my god, he's terrifying kind of way. But more of a, like, if I was in a dark alleyway and he was, like, get the fuck out, I'd be like, fucking leaving.
2: I'm fucking <laughs> leaving.
1: <sighs> he's a, like, he's a big man. Mm hmm. I would feel very safe if I was out with him, let's put it that way. I would be like no one's gonna fuck with me. He's like six foot two beefcake. Look at him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how tall he actually is, I assume about six two. He's quite a tall dude. Um but he really in this movie he seems smaller. Yeah. And I think it's the baggy jumpers and the dad glasses and the dad jokes. But like he's not intimidating in this film. When no. he does try and be intimidating, it's just funny. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, very funny. Like, oh, we're scared. And I think that's a massive nod to how good of an actor Winston Duke is, mm-hmm. because it 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 can't have been easy for him to make himself seem a lot smaller than he is.
0: Yeah. One of my favourite scenes in this movie is actually when they're sitting in um, Josh and Kitty's house after everyone's been like murdered, and they're just kind of sat there, and he's like. Um she's explaining to the family, she's like, we should go to Mexico, get away as far as possible, because they've just watched a news report of like mm. what's happening. And he's like, No, like we're staying here, that's final. And she screams at him, she's like, You don't get to make the decisions anymore. And I was like, I feel like that's the part where she finally realised like that he's a bit fucking useless and everything that he's done so far has actually endangered them. And she's just kind of like, No, I will get us out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the turning point of like you start realizing the reason why she's taking charge is because she knows she what's knows happening. what's happening and like when she cuz i think she there's a line of dialogue at the dinner table at that in that just before that scene or just after that scene where she says they've been planning this like they know like and that's basically her that's the first like so, right, real spelling it out signs of the audience like this is what's but going also, on but also
1: what makes no sense is she has no way like there's no way she like I know obviously their their, their behaviour screams is planned mm-hmm. but there is no way she can say with 100% certainty that they had been planning for this mm-hmm. because she wasn't there Red is the one who planned this whole thing
0: so I'm going to ask you a question now and well, I don't know if many people have asked this question because it's not something that comes up in theory videos about this film why didn't she just go back and kill her? So she's she's grown up. So when she gets kidnapped, she's like fucking 10 years old or whatever, right? And she's in her 30s now. So she's been above ground for 25, 20, 30, like however long, um, 30 years. And I don't understand why, if she still believes that Red or Adelaide is still underground, why she didn't just go and kill her. Why she didn't lure her out and just kill her.
1: A part of me feels like she's basically been living in denial. Like, she doesn't want to admit that it was real and that she did that.
0: Yeah. And if she does, like, suppress memories.
1: I don't think she's even ever suppressed them. Like, I think she remembers fully what happened, but I just think it's guilt. Like, she doesn't want to believe that she did it she doesn't want to believe that it was all real because that means that she was the villain as she kidnapped a little girl mm-hmm. and traded
0: places with her and do you not think also that's part of the reason why she doesn't want to go back to the beach in case she sees her in case she gets switched out in case yeah
1: i think that's exactly the reason in case someone else in her family sees
0: the tender yeah. version of her because you
1: see how much she freaks out when um joshua joshua no jason jason thank you uh Jason comes back of like she was, and you see it in her face like she was terrified Jason was going to get sh- swapped out. Mm. When you're watching it for the first time, you, and you don't know yet about the Red Adelaide that she was kidnapped and switched places with, you just kind of think that she was scared that he had seen the tethered version of himself and something had happened to mm. him. Um, but yeah, no, I do. I honestly just think it is. She, uh, she's scared to go there and like it be real.
2: Mm.
0: So yeah, yeah. Like I think that's a really good point because that's one of the one of the genuine themes the film doesn't really touch upon is the trauma. Like mm. they do, they touch upon a lot of the trauma of her as a child because there's the whole thing of like when she comes back, she stops talking, and her parents are wondering. Well, I don't going think it's so much
1: like she stops stops talking; it's that. Tethered Adelaide, so red. It, well, no, because the thing is, I've been calling red red this entire time in mm. Adelaide, Adelaide. So I'm just going to stick to it. So when I'm talking about Adelaide, I'm talking about the character. who yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, was a tethered, Now is a hot world. So I think what it actually is is that she had never spoken before. Yeah. So she didn't know how to
0: speak. Yeah, but her parents obviously like. Yeah, think her that
1: parents think talk. that yeah. she's just gone mute. Mm-hmm. But of yeah, the trauma yeah but no it's that she's just never been able to mm-hmm. talk she's never had to talk and there's numerous points in this movie because there's another point later on with the conversation she's having, she's having with Kitty where she says I don't like to talk
2: mm-hmm. like, I so I think
1: it's like something that she's never grown out of she doesn't because she has to but she doesn't like talking because yeah. it's not natural to her
0: yeah and like that's one of the one of the key themes obviously the film goes back to is the trauma of like what the kid experiences, obviously, before it drops the big reveal of who's who. Mm. But, like, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't really touch upon. It's kind of like, here's a little bit of a little thing about... I think the thing is it focuses more
1: on Red's trauma mm-hmm. than it does on Adelaide's. Because... And I feel like this goes back to the idea of it being about the class divide of... Red, before she became... <coughs> Adelaide, when she was tethered, didn't know any better. Uh So her life just got better once she'd escaped the underground and joined everyone on topside. Whereas Red, and experienced the world, she knew what she was missing out on. Uh So when she got trapped underground, she... And I feel like that's another one of the points of um, people who were poor and are now rich they don't really worry too much because they know what it's like to be poor and everything's better for them now. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, if you have been rich and now become poor, it's very traumatic because you don't know how to cope. You yeah. don't know how to deal with that because you've never had to experience it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of a lot of this, the, the more I'm thinking about the movie does play into the idea of the class system as well, of like, um, especially when you look at the marriage and the way... Red speaks about being the shadow and having to do what Adelaide was doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's... Especially being in America as well. Because she says, I didn't have a choice with Abraham. Which is, in, in some parts of America, it's still quite standard. If you will marry the person. If you fall pregnant, yeah, you have to marry that person. Or mm-hmm. your parents will go... Well, you need to get married or do something because you can't live here anymore. Mm-hmm. So you don't have as much choice in the matter of who you marry an- over there. Yeah, I mean, over here as well with some families. But and then also there's a comment about when she was pregnant with Pluto. She was like the princess, went and had her son in a hospital with all the nurses. I had to cut myself open at home on my own with nobody's help.
2: Yeah.
1: And if you look at over here, if you're pregnant, you go to hospital. They 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 will perform a C-section. We pay. Zero money for that. Well, we do because we pay our taxes, mm-hmm. but we don't have to pay the NHS to perform surgery yeah. on us. Whereas in America, if you're poor and you are pregnant... You're fucked, basically. You're fucked because having a baby is exceedingly expensive over there. And I'm, I'm confident out there somewhere there are young American women who've had to perform their home births on their own at yeah. home. And the the more I'm thinking of the movie, I'm like the more it feeds into the idea of the upper and lower classes and the different treatment they receive.
0: Well, that's what she says in that conversation, is it? When they say to her, "Who are
1: you?" Mm. and
0: she says, "We're Americans."
1: Well, yeah, we're we we're, we're, we're you, we're Americans.
0: And like when she says at the end, she says, "We're the same as you. We're human, hair, teeth, like hands, blood, etc." Yeah. But like the the interesting thing about this movie, like the one the one thing that I kind of <sighs> Uh, amongst all of the other things that don't get explained, was the idea of the two bodies, one soul thing. Mm-hmm. Because how does that play into, like, them murdering one of the other ones? Like, so they're murdering themselves. Like, do they get full control of the soul? Do they still only have half of the I soul? no idea, babe. Like...
1: It doesn't get explained. No idea. Because I would assume if you killed off half of your soul, you would kill the entirety. Yeah. So...
0: Uh, It's a a weird one, isn't
1: it? It's a weird one. Also, can we just get to the point of, I don't understand the symbolism with the scissors. Like, I understand that it's two halves of a whole, supposed to represent the originals and the tethered. Why the fuck are they gold? Was that just a stylistic choice? I feel like there should be a reason that they're gold. Yeah. But I I can't find one. I feel
0: like it is a stylistic choice.
1: It's just a weird decision. Like, the handcuffs are gold as well. Mm. I'm sure somewhere somebody has got a theory, and I feel like the whole idea of it is probably linked to the whole um class divide as well
0: and the singular golf glove as well
1: um so I looked up on things like this, so with the the uh red jumpsuit, the the singular glove and the hands across america, it's the last things adelaide remember red remembers as being Adelaide, so the michael jackson t shirt in the red jumpsuit, Michael Jackson often only wore one glove. And at the end where they're all performing The Hands Across America, it's the last thing she remembers. She's wearing a Hands Across America t shirt when yeah. she's taken. And so I saw online that people are like the reason that these things happen, and the way they're dressed, the way they are, and they're like the Hands Across America thing is it's the last things Adelaide yeah. r- has like clear memories of as being
2: Adelaide. The original. Yeah.
1: Yeah and that's why because she's the one who basically organizes them and sets this whole plan in motion and that's why their behavior the they dress the way they do and they they act the way they do is because it's the last it's her last memories Mm -hmm. of being her original self
0: what do you think about the uh the way they communicate with each other
1: I think it kind of plays into the...
0: With, like, the weird, like, pterodactyl screams. I
1: think it kind of plays into the idea of they were never supposed to be human. hmm Does that make sense? Because they, they are very animalistic still. And I think that's kind of the decision that was... Like, that's why that decision was made, mm-hmm. was... A, to separate them out of who is the original and who is the copy. Not that that's not obvious, because they're wearing fucking bright red jumpsuits. <laughs> but also the fact that they were never taught to speak, because they were never supposed to re- replace the originals. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be used to control the originals. So they basically came up with a way to interact, that didn't need them need them to have vocal cords. Yeah. Um. Because I'm not entirely sure they can talk. Outside mm. of red, we never hear any of the others talk. No. Ever. Mm. And they make a very similar noise to kind of like monkeys, chimpanzees, because so chimpanzees, the only reason that they can't talk like humans is they don't have the required vocal cords. Mm-hmm. So I feel like potentially the reason they they communicate like that is that they haven't got a fully developed vocal cord.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of like pterodactyl high pitched kind of like yeah. screams. And and
1: very, they are very similar to like uh, monkey fighting calls.
0: And like a lot of clicking as well. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I love about the way Red communicates with the family. The other
1: family members don't use the clicking. It's only Red.
0: Yeah, when she like puts the commands out. Yeah. And she like... Because uh, Pluto makes like little grunting sounds, doesn't yeah. he? He kind of sounds a bit like uh, like a French bulldog. He's a, He's got a <laughs> really, like, grunty, snuffly grunty sort snubly. of...
1: But yeah, because like, it's never really addressed how close to being identical replicas they are of us, mm. like, aside from looking the same. But because we never hear any of them talk, like, my brain did kind of think, well, maybe they haven't developed fully inside, like, maybe they don't have vocal cords. But that doesn't work, actually, because Adelaide can talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Take back everything I just said, because, yeah, Adelaide talks.
2: Yeah.
1: Ignore me, guys. <laughs> I think it's probably just that they never learned to talk, <laughs> which seems weird as well, because if they were basically worshipping red as, like, their saviour, surely she would have taught them to
2: speak. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, again, another set of those unanswered questions where you just kind of sit there and go, right.
1: hmm Because they've had time as well. Well... Because when, when they side they're worshipping Red, she's 15.
0: Yeah, so the, by that point... So, timeline-wise, the story kicks off in 1986 when she's
1: 10ish yeah so
0: by the time she's 15 that would be 1991 <coughs> One. and the rest of the story takes place in present day so you're saying if it takes place in 2019 <coughs> it would they would have been 33ish mm. roughly
1: so she would have been down there for 18 years yeah 18 fucking years and they've all been basically looking to her as their savior and like she's special mm-hmm. Why the fuck did she not... Like, 18 years is a long time. You can teach bitches to talk in that time. Mm-hmm. You teach babies in, like, fucking four years.
0: Mm-hmm. But I think for her, it wasn't so much about making them do those things. It was about them having the cogn- cognitive dissonance to kind of do what they she needed them to do. I think the plan and the statement and the mission was more important than... Like,
1: and what I do find really interesting is that we don't. I'm assuming this is only happening in America.
0: Well, I don't know.
1: Well, this is the thing. It's because I don't know what's happening with the rest of the world, but obviously the plan, Adelaide's plan, is to get over the border to Mexico. So my assumption is because they that opening thing says that there are thousands of tunnels underneath America. It's hmm. America, America, America. So I'm assuming this is only taking place in America.
0: But again, it's never really explained. <coughs>
1: It would make sense, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was just taking place in America, to be honest, because otherwise what reasoning would Adelaide have for wanting to get to Mexico?
2: <sighs> yeah.
1: Um. But, yeah, no, I just... The fact that there seems to be, apart from the one news report they see on TV, there's never really any, like,
0: addressing the idea
1: of it happening.
0: Yeah, you never see, like, any sense of the scale if no. you only see what's happening in that specific part of California at a time.
1: It's not even that we don't get a sense of the scale. Like, fair enough, you don't tell us whether it's worldwide or not. That's fine. I had no problem with fucking Quiet Place. Mm. They don't give us a, an idea of the scale of how far this has gone. But what I do have an issue with is that outside of one news report, we never really... They ring the police numerous times. The police line's just busy, but there's no... Kind of grasp of how many people are dead Mm -hmm. because the thing is, it's all well and good, Adelaide and they're not surviving, but are they the only survivors? Like, yeah, is everybody else dead? Is the rest of the fucking planet dead? Like, what are the tethered gonna do now? Like,
0: (sighs) yeah, there's never that sense of what is the bigger plan yeah
1: and it's also it's i don't think this movie's there's no plans for there to be a sequel to this so we're left with all of these open-ended questions of like well what what happened what was the point of all of it Mm -hmm. because red says the point is for them to make a point of we are here we are americans but okay but what like what you're just gonna stand and hold hands across america
0: yeah yeah, like what happens when you're loose in the world?
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, if the rest of the world hasn't, if this hasn't happened in the rest of the world, they're no, probably not going to get. No, loose No, but what the I mean is, world. what
0: is ha- what happens now? That they're loose out in the wild. Like I, I is what I'm. Yeah. Trying to say. There's like thousands because you see how far the thing stretches yeah. at the end. There's potentially thousands of these unchecked.
1: I'm assuming hundreds of thousands. Like
0: tethered people that are like government experiments gone wrong that are running around in the world now mm-hmm. or like in America at least and it's like what is the overall plan
1: what's the end game here guys
0: and the thing is as well you don't know what happens once Red dies no or like yeah who...
1: she's the leader
0: yeah so do they all Do they? would they find out would they shut down would they revolt would they like
1: it... I think the problem I have with this film aside from all the plot plot points that aren't answered, is that there is no resolution. There's no...
0: I really think Jordan Peele took a massive swing with this movie. He was riding on a high from Get Out, he took a massive swing, and he hit 80% of it, but instead of hitting a home run, he smashed a baseball into someone's back garden.
2: Yeah.
0: And he's still not gone and retrieved it yet. No. And that's kind of... The thing is I I love the man to pieces I really do and I really hate saying bad things about his work because there are, there is a lot to like about this movie like don't there get me is. wrong but like, this is a really like there's some really suspenseful scenes in this movie there's some genuinely good jump scares there's some really good moments of levity like it, like there's some really interesting uses mm-hmm. of shots music like sound design like there are really like <laughs> for all intents and purposes this is a really good horror movie until you yeah. get to the end and then it's just like what the fuck is this and it's like not not like how malignant is like what the fuck is this because malignant is purposeful like the ending of malignant is ridiculous but it's fucking meant to be ridiculous whereas with this it feels a bit like jordan peel is asking really big really important questions but he doesn't you know It kind of seems like Jordan Peele's that kind of guy with this movie. Now, I don't want to cast aspersions on Jordan Peele as a human being because I don't know him. But it feels like with this movie, this movie is the equivalent of you sitting at a bar with your friends and you're talking about whatever it is you're talking about. And some guy comes and sits next to you and goes, so how do you guys feel about global warming? Mm. Tell me. And it's like he and then and then just as you're about to answer he gets up and walks off and goes that doesn't really matter to me yeah like it feels very much like that that kind of like um in fact there's a fucking scene in American Psycho that is just like that there's a scene where Patrick and I think it's one of his girlfriends is in a restaurant with like these two fucking hipster kids and like they're asking him about like the poverty situation and stuff like that because he's rich but then he doesn't answer any of the questions and you're just like well what was the fucking point and it's kind of a lot like this Jordan Peele goes what do you think I have my own theories I want to hear what you think but then just as you're about to answer he goes actually don't, don't worry about it I'm I'm good and he just walks off yeah he's just like what the fuck man
2: yeah
1: <clears throat> it's it's irritating and stressful I think because I do have a lot of respect for Jordan Peele it makes it slightly worse because I love Get Out. Anybody who's listened to our Get Out episode knows I fucking love that film.
0: I even like the Twilight Zone. I thought yeah, Twilight Zone Twilight was fucking, is
1: fucking amazing. And this is just.
0: Uh. But now, now you're in the similar. Now you're in the same position that I'm in, where you're 50-50 on him.
2: Uh.
0: I have to ask. I feel like we've exhausted all of the conversation about us about going around in circles. Has this? Seeing this movie now, has this tempered your expectations for Nope? And has it kind of made you a bit like, oh, fuck, like, I don't know. Was he a one-hit wonder?
1: No. I'm still looking forward to Nope. So excited to watch it.
0: Like, I'm not as excited about it as I would have been had it been the follow-up to get
1: No, See, the thing is, is I feel like a lot of directors have a bad film. A lot of directors have more than one bad film. And while this isn't a great film, it's not a bad movie. It's just
0: an unsatisfying. An one.
1: unsatisfying. Yeah. One. So I'm not. I'm not saying Jordan Peele has made a bad film. He hasn't. It's a good film, but it's just very unsatisfying. And there's so many little nitpicky bits. And I know I'm picky as fuck with films anyway. Like I'm a very picky person hmm. when it comes to movies. But I'm not. Oh, I, it hasn't dampened my because I. Like, as you, you said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really 50-50, am I, though? Because I'm about 70-30 because of Twilight Zone. Yeah. Fucking love I was Twilight just talking Zone. about
0: his film input, input.
1: And, in fact, probably more than that, because I fucking love Key and Peel.
0: Hmm. So... Still not seen the car news yet, though, have you?
1: I'm not watching a movie about a fucking cat, babe. <laughs> Um... So no, it's in no way made me any less excited for Nope. Like, I'm still hyped to see Nope when it comes out. Well, what I say that. I haven't seen a trailer yet. Depends on what Nope is about. <laughs> but I... as it stands, with the only information of it's a film by Jordan Peele and it's called Nope, I'm still very excited to watch it. We will see what happens when the trailer drops and I go, actually, nah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will be very interested to see if he's taken any of the criticism from us on board and he's going to take that forward, I'm or if, right. he's gonna, if he's just going to if he's just going to be one of those people that's like, no, this is this is my films, like this is how I roll, and he's just going to soldier on regardless. Because I would like to think that he took on I some mean, of the criticism. Fair, and the
1: thing is, you say that a lot of people love this movie. Yeah, a lot of people. I don't
0: know this... I don't know any of those people.
1: I don't, but I know it's still quite a respected movie. Yeah. you people still think it's, it's still got like a, a really good Rotten Tomatoes
0: score and things like that. Like.
1: So. So, so it's really well received well yeah there are people out there who are like it's just a bit eh. there's a, a loud majority of people are like no it's great it's a fantastic film mm. so i don't think there's really anything he needed to take on board because while we didn't enjoy it and there are people out there who didn't enjoy it and thought it was you know a bit of a eh, McDonald's film as yeah. i will now refer to it um There is, you know, for every one person who feels that way about it, there's about 10 who love it.
0: I feel like taking feedback on board and constructive criticism isn't a bad thing, though.
1: I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that, well, yes, there are people out there who don't like this film. Mm. There are a, a large and vocal majority of people who do really enjoy it. So I think the problem you're sitting with is not that it's a bad film and not that it's he needs to take the criticism on board. What it is is it's a bad film for certain people because they didn't enjoy it they felt like there was bits missing and there was Mm. plot threads that weren't explored but other people have taken a lot away from it so all I'm saying is that he doesn't necessarily need to take any of it on board because well yes some people didn't like it a lot of people did and you're never going to please everybody and if he starts trying to do that he'll just make more mistakes and end up making worse and worse films because he's trying to make everybody happy.
0: Mm -hmm. See there's four directors that have come out in the last few years where I really loved our first movie three of them i've seen their second movie and one of them i haven't and i'm still a little bit nervous but like the jury is out on some of them and it's the four directors specifically ari aster mm-hmm. because of hereditary midsummer yeah josh rubin because i love scare me but i wasn't fast on where it was <clears been. throat> um jordan peele because i get out and this and then the other one is robert eggers because i love the witch but i haven't seen the lighthouse yet and I'm a little bit like, do I want to risk it for a biscuit? I
1: haven't seen The Witch and The Lighthouse. I look at it and I'm like, it looks very art house, mm. and I'm not an art house film fan. I
2: don't, I don't.
0: But then say, but, get it. but then saying that, there are a few directors that have kind of like had really interesting starts and have found their footing after their first couple of movies. Mike Flanagan is a prime example of that.
1: That happens with a lot of directors. Yeah, so like it's not unheard of. But um, I am heavily insulted that you put Josh Rubin on that list because *Werewolves Within* is also an amazing film. But actually, no, I take I I, I kind of take back what I just said. There's a lot of problems with *Werewolves Within*, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's great. But this is the argument I had with you the other day. So I feel this way about Jordan Peele because Jordan Peele wrote and directed. Yeah, both of his. And films. the other
0: three directors are the, other, the other two fi- directors the are the same.
1: Wrote book. and directed it. Josh Rubin doesn't deserve to be on that list because while he did write and direct Scare Me he
0: didn't, he didn't
1: write. write Yeah Werewolf and it's based Within. on an
0: existing IP I, yeah so, after you said it I was a bit like yeah maybe I should be a bit fairer on it and
1: I think to when I'm judging John Jordan Peele's movies I'm judging them on him being a writer and director mm-hmm. because that's both of his films he has written it he's directed it he's produced it he wrote the theme tune sang the theme tune mhm um, but Josh Rubens, Scare Me is a fucking masterpiece.
2: Yeah, it and he really is.
1: wrote and directed that, and he produced it, and he starred in it, and he wrote the theme tune. He sang the theme tune. Created the merchandise. Yeah, he did. I have one of the T shirts. Um, and that movie is great. Werewolves Within. He directed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He may have had some input on producing, but I can't remember.
0: Yeah, but his hands were a little bit tied. But
1: he, yeah, he didn't write it. I feel like if he wrote mm-hmm. Werewolves Within we would have got not a very different film. I think it would have been still quite similar, but I feel like I would have perhaps enjoyed it more mm-hmm. because I love the way he wrote Scammy. So I will hold you accountable for dissing on Josh Rubin because mm-hmm. you do not go for my boy. Um, but yeah, no, Jordan Peele, I completely agree. The first film was great. He did an amazing job writing, producing, directing, the whole thing. Get Out is phenomenal, but Us is just, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a letdown. I think... I think if it hadn't been following up, um Out, I probably wouldn't have such strong feelings towards it.
0: I, I think um, we can all agree, though, that those four directors haven't set themselves up for a fall as much as what Radio Silence have.
1: Oh, fuck me, yeah. Yeah. Radio Silence better pray the screen movies, kid.
0: But i tell you, the one, the one person who has surprised me uh, with that horror content, and this is just one thing I will say, first two horror movies written and directed... John Krasinski, who the fuck saw that coming?
1: Yeah, yeah, fuck me, They, they Quiet Place, because we we've we we've, we've spoke about both of them, we, we have done that on the podcast, um, I loved both of those films.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that coming, but yeah. yeah, I think for me, like, I think, like, Jordan Peel is such a, the the thing I love about Jordan Peel, and this is, whether whether you fall on the side of us being good or not. I think the great thing about Jordan Peele, I thought is, it was
1: us for a second, like no, no, no. me and you, and I Where, was like, Where wherever
0: you feel on this film is, and I think this is what I said to you about. I think there was a film we were talking about. Oh, it was one we were talking about, Malignant, the other day. Whether you love that movie or whether you hate the movie, same with us, same with Get Out, any or any of those movies and directors we've just mentioned. It's very, very exciting to have directors creating original content mm-hmm. they're not making remakes they're not making sequels they're not making stuff that's based on existing IP except for Josh Rubin with Werewolves of but it's really exciting to see directors at a big level taking massive creative swings with genre filmmaking sometimes it's going to work sometimes it isn't but we are kind of in this weird like little golden age of like new horror movies now and the thing is that's the thing I respect about Jordan Peele like, yeah, his, two of his TV shows may have been cancelled, Twilight Zone and Lo- Lovecraft Country, but he's putting them out there. Mm-hmm. He's He he did Hunters. He's done... Like, he's got more stuff in the pipeline. Like, he's mm-hmm. created these films. Like, he, he was involved in Candyman. Like, mm-hmm. he's bringing these really big films that are, like, bringing people together, opening discussions. Like, if it wasn't for guys like this, we wouldn't have a fucking podcast, probably. Mm -hmm. We'd just be sat there talking about, like, Clown Town 7 from, like, 1983. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so for me, that's my main takeaway from this is I think this is 70% of a good movie that's let down by a really poor 30%. But I would rather go to the cinema and see a movie like this or The Witch or hereditary then go and see like another movie that's like a remake of a remake or a sequel or you know something like that because to me it shows faith in the genre and it shows faith in new filmmakers and yeah. that to me is quite exciting i don't know how you feel about it but to me that's where the exciting thing lies Fair. also to to end this podcast on the last question If you were in this situation... I'd die. Could you kill yourself? No. And I don't mean that as in suicide, but could you kill your tethered version?
1: Only... Well, it depends. Does my tethered self also have asthma and is really shit at running?
2: I don't know.
1: Because it depends on how similar we are as people. Because in my head, what I'm thinking is that the tethered seems stronger and faster... Then But they the display original. a lot of
0: the same attributes as their like. Well this version is version. the thing,
1: is they do they seem they seem stronger, they seem faster. Hmm. So if that is the case, I would not be able to kill myself purely because I'm a weak ass bitch who has asthma and can't run for shit. However, if my tethered self is also a weak ass bitch who has asthma and can't run for shit. I would be like the girl on fucking Doctor Who. What
0: girl?
1: So you know, in the fiftieth anniversary special. Oh, Osgood. Osgood. I'd just become friends with my tethered self, and we we just hang out and do shit together. Oh,
0: like Scott Pilgrim does at the end of Scott Pilgrim when he becomes mm-hmm. friends with Negascott. Scott.
1: Yeah, because that's what happens with the Osgood as well. She befriends her. She befriends her. I can't think what the aliens called it according mm. the episode, but she befriends her alternate version. Because they're bitching about her sister and sharing their inhaler.
2: See,
0: so, do, do you know what? I'd actually be all right in this situation. Yeah. Because if, if, for example, our tethered versions had the same attributes as us... I have attention deficit disorder. I'm easily distracted. This is very true. I would just, I would just flash a laser pen at my tether and fucking leg it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true, actually. You'd be quite. I'm like a shit. Distract. I'm like a shit cat.
1: You are like a shit. I'm cat. I'm
0: so easily distracted.
1: I love the fact that in our relationship, though, we're both like shit cats, but just in different ways. Like yeah. I'm grumpy and I like to nap. I don't like people touching me. You're distractable.
0: I'm easily distracted and I nap a lot.
1: Yeah, and I'm just there, like I'm the grumpy version. And I, like I eat to like nap shit. And I don't like people touching me. Yeah. Or I do, but only on my terms. If someone does something I don't like, I will claw them.
0: Yeah, I reckon, I reckon, again, I think much like you said, it would depend on how much stronger and faster than me and my tethered is. But
1: if we're, like, the same person, just she's tethered and I'm not, I'd probably just be like, is there a way we can just, like, untether ourselves? And, like, we'll just become bros. Like, we can watch shit TV together... I'd always have somebody who likes the same shit as me. So when I'm trying to chat to my friends about K-pop and they're like, I oh, don't give a shit, Lee, I'd be like, it's fine. I have a tethered me. She likes the same shit as me. It's all good.
0: Do you know what, though? I'd be really fucking pissed off if my tethered was, like, slimmer and had hair. Because, <laughs> like, they do have some physical uh, They do have some physical differences. differences. If my tethered looked like how I looked when I was in my early 20s, like, had a head full of hair and, like, cheekbones... I'd probably, like, just off myself and just let my tethered live a better life than me.
1: <laughs> You'd be like, oh, he's more handsome.
2: Yeah, probably. But
1: also, you then have to consider if I kill my tethered self, I'm probably going to end up dating your tethered self.
2: Oh, shit, yeah. Fuck.
0: He's the re-
1: skinnier, handsomer version of you, babe.
0: Would do you reckon, Jordan? And
1: also, he won't talk. Oh. Actually, yeah, if you could sort that, me and your tethered <laughs> self will kill you. No, no I don't. I'd be terribly bored if you couldn't talk, mate. What do you reckon Someone Jordan Peele's like
0: Tethered things. would be like?
1: Because
0: oh, Jordan Peele's really fucking funny.
1: He is, and
0: really like lively. Yeah, I reckon yeah. his Tethered would be like a prick.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. He'd be like Wendell.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes.
1: Jordan Peele's Tethered.
2: Jordan Peele's Tethered would be, would be the ultimate troll.
1: He fucking would. He would. Mate. Okay, right. Before we just carry on chatting <laughs> shit at this point. Yeah. Where do you sell this movie? What rating would you like to give it? How many acts is out of five? Three. Three.
0: Fair. That's purely because the first half, uh, half of this movie is fucking great.
1: Fair. I'm gonna give it surprisingly after all the bitching. I've just a, a four. Mm-hmm. On there's there's four prongs to this. The directing
0: what was, hang on, you've mentioned prongs, what was the thing they were, t- oh it was Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they were talking about the fucking pronged attack the other day, they were like, <laughs> yeah, sorry.
1: So, uh, the directing,
2: mm-hmm. the acting, mm-hmm.
1: um, the 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 basic plot of the first hour and 20 minutes of this, and then the fourth start goes down to literally, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about this film. Mm-hmm. So in most films, I think they're a bit meh, and I give up, I don't care, I'll forget about them three days later, somebody will ask me how it was, and I'll go, i oh, fucking no, I don't remember it. Whereas this, for all it irritated me and pissed me off, it, I want to talk about it with people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And while I didn't enjoy it that much, and I don't think it's a great film, that is a, a sign of a movie that is worth yeah a watch, is that I now want to talk to somebody about it, and I, I'm going to talk about it. hmm and that's the most genius thing Jordan Peele could have done is make it a movie worth talking about because that makes you talk to it about about it to people who haven't seen it who will then go watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, can we, just very briefly, yes, Oscars, fucking wise up. Three years in a row, you had four fucking actresses in horror movies that should have won fucking awards for their performances. Toni Collette and Hereditary in 2018, uh, Lapita Nyungo in her he dual did. roles in this, Florence Pugh the same year for fucking Midsummer, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Moss in 2020 for The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Your motherfuckers are clowning if you think that these people are doing any less of a good job just because they're in horror movies. Yeah.
1: And also, uh, let's just be briefly honest about my four star rating... About a half of one of those stars went to the fact that this has Lupita and Winston in it because I love both.
0: I think this is Lupita Nyong'o's best movie. You know, she from a performance is role,
1: fucking phenomenal in it.
0: Yeah, I think she's fucking tremendous. It's in this not movie. the
1: greatest thing I've ever seen her do. That is the uh, lip sync episode she did where she wore the really short shorts. But as an actress, this is the best thing I've seen her in. Yeah,
0: she's fucking tremendous, and in she's this
1: amazing. Movie. Her as Red is. And what's really funny is I was reading about this, apparently she stayed in character as Red in between takes. Mm-hmm. That's fucking dedication, and also... terrifying. I'm like that gif though with it, I'm like, muck me down as horny and afraid.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel that's how I feel about her in general, because look, she looks like she could probably snap my neck. Naked and
2: afraid. Naked
1: and afraid. No. Horny and afraid. But.
0: Okay. Are you like that Jordan Peele gif whenever you see her, just with all the sweat dripping down your face. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, yeah, in in summary, how do you guys feel about us? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you feel we were too harsh on it? Are you excited for what Jordan Peele does next? Um, sidebar, go fucking see Malignant and then come talk to me when you have because it fucking rules. Uh, next week, we are going to be covering Guillermo del Toro's 1997...
1: Did you call him Guillermo? That's
0: how you say his name, isn't it? Guillermo. Is it Guillermo? Guillermo del oh, Toro. Guillermo del Toro's... <laughs> 1997, English language debut, Mimic. This movie is fucking wild. I'm excited to watch this movie with you. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing that next week. Don't forget, we have a super secret Ultra Double Mega Ninja episode that I'm not involved in that airs on Friday. Um, I mean,
1: I, I, I ran that episode. So let's be honest, it went off the rails quite quickly. And also, uh, my cohort, co- my cohort, co-host, um... Mm. Had zero clue what the fuck was going on half the time, and also he just chatted shit for quite a while.
0: So, yeah, you can look forward to that on Friday. I'm um, yeah. not
1: selling that episode to anybody. Like, come <laughs> listen to it, it's fucking funny, but.
0: But, yeah. Uh, usual places, come find us, S I M A H F pod on Twitter, So I'm a Horror Fan, Instagram, Tumblr. Uh, if you want to follow either of us, I am zombie underscore Simon on Twitter, and zo- zombie double underscore Simon on Instagram come find me if you want to. Yeah.
2: I don't
1: know why I'm on Twitter. I think I'm at Leighton Lawliet on mm. Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm at Leighton Lawliet underscore 13. Yeah. Because somebody had already taken Leighton So. Also, I feel like I've just told you, if you want to find me on any social media, that's basically what you need to do. And to be for. fair,
0: like if you search just us, like our tags are in the socials for the fucking web page anyway. They are. Um, We've got some exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks. We can't really talk about them just yet, but there's some stuff in the pipeline I think you guys are going to be excited about. Um, but yeah. As always, come tell us what you think of stuff. Come join the conversation. And, um, yeah, we'll be back on Friday. Well, no. one of us will be. I'll be
1: back on Friday. I, I... Simon will be back next Monday.
0: Yeah. Tati, bye.
1: Bye.